0: That's great. Give it to the band. Good job, guys. Well, hey, if everybody have a seat, we're going to get started with uh, what God has for us in his word this morning. And uh, if you are new, I want to say thanks for coming, being a part of the Awakening. My name is Kerry and as lead pastor, we're just glad to have you hanging out with us and would love to have you come every week if you're looking for a home place. And um, that announcement about this afternoon for our new facility that is over by In-N-Out Burger that... Yeah, can I just say, I know sometimes, especially for those of us maybe a little bit older, this room gets filled up during worship with a lot of beautiful music that's really strong music, but I'm sitting there thinking how great the band was today, and some of these younger gang that's knocking it down, I'm like, I'm ready to take this band to our new building and fill up that big room. What do you think, man? I'm <laughs> just like, let's have at it. Um, the new room will actually seat probably six, 700 people if we wanted to have that many people in the room or as God bless as we grow. But um, I'm looking forward to moving over there. Some of you were at the wall signing ceremony last Sunday. You there? You got it? That was good. If you did not get a chance to show up last Sunday and do the wall signing, which means put your name down and... That's my boy, so don't worry. It's, so put uh, your name down on the wall and a verse or someone you're praying for to come to know Christ. This afternoon, you're welcome to do that. In fact, right after service, it's sort of going to be just an open house. Let's go eat in an in and out or whoever wants to head that direction. And the building will be open, and uh, you can sign the wall if you didn't get a chance to sign the wall. But it was just a beautiful experience. And um, this week, I had the opportunity when I was in there by myself just to walk that wall And see what you wrote and the heart that you have for God and what's going on uh, in your spirit concerning this whole relocation effort this fall. And uh, we are doing this together and we are replanting ourselves. We're relaunching ourselves in a central part of uh, the valley to do God's great work. And I just had to smile just listening to the quality of the band and all that's going on. And I'm like, yes, let's move. Let's get this thing done. By the way, Ed is back. He's back for this weekend. We had some more stuff to get done, so he, he drove 15 hours straight from Colorado, and he's uh, going to head back to Colorado on Tuesday morning. So guys and gals, we need to get everything done at this particular juncture, planning for first inspection and all that when it comes to permitting issues. So today, 1 to 5. Anybody wants to do that? One to five, help with Ed. We'll be there at the building and you can come sign. Anyway, I'm just excited. It's it's I live in this world of relocation every week. I know some of you do as well. Others of you are sort of new as what's going on and what's all the change gonna happening, but some really good stuff's happening this fall. No, we do not have a date yet because we are still dealing with city permitting and all that kind of stuff. We have a meeting on Tuesday that hopefully gives us a little bit more information as to when it can happen, but hey. We're going to get there in God's time, in God's manner, in God's way. So keep praying in that regards. Last week, we uh, took the initiative to say it was time to get back to school. Not just for the young people, but for all of us. To get our heads in the game, to see how God wants to grow us spiritually. And so we looked at Wisdom Proverbs and Back to School... And uh, we encouraged everybody to uh, read one chapter of Proverbs each day of the week. Last week we looked at some simple Proverbs that are very popular Proverbs. And the third from the top on the list was, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Proverbs 9.10. Then the next to the highest... Sought-after proverb in the book of Proverbs. Train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. Proverbs 22, 6. And then, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not in your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. How many of you have been in Proverbs this week? Have you been reading, trying to do the chapter day? That's great. Any of those Proverbs come back to you to sort of be a, a word of encouragement or a word of exhortation during your week? I was in a situation this week and my wife came up to me because she was in service last week from children's ministry. And she said, remember, Carrie, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. I'm like, I know, I know, I know. i got to practice what I preach. right? But, you know, it's true. When the Word of God is hidden in your heart, it comes in a timely manner. And uh, I want to thank you for taking that initiative to be in Proverbs um, for this season of time. Uh, you can stay in there the whole year and read one chapter a day according to the day of the week that you are on. So, with that, because it's back to school time, how back to school go, kids? Uh, so, so? All right. Not too bad. Get back in that routine. Get up in the morning. We're going to do a little exercise here. I have realized that a lot of times we have great, beautiful, godly intentions, but we never get around to accomplishing them. So I'm going to put in practice this morning what would happen sometimes in a school classroom. Sometimes they give you a moment, maybe half a period, to do your homework. In your program is an insert. That insert is Proverbs 19. Proverbs 19 is for day 19 of the month. This is what I'd like you to do. And you can do it on your own Bible too if you don't have the insert. If you need an insert, run to the back and get a a bulletin. I want you to read through by yourself Proverbs 19. And I want you to mark, put a check by, three of these Proverbs which strike you. And we're all going to be quiet and now do our homework. And you're like, really? In the middle of a service? (laughs) Yeah. You know, one of the cool things that happens when you send kids away to camp or when I've gone to camp is that when you're away at camp for a few days, you'll isolate in the morning time alone with God. Tog. I don't know if you've ever heard that. And sometimes some of the best experience that comes from camp is just the discipline of starting your day in God's Word, meeting with God. So this isn't just an assignment to read Proverbs 19. This is an assignment for you to spend time letting God speak wisdom to you for maybe a particular word. And I didn't pick the song, a proverb. So if there's anything in there, it's not because of me. It was just it happens to be day 19, Proverbs 19. So take a few moments. I know we read at different paces. And when you mark one of those... Why is it that that proverb strikes a chord with you at this season in your life? The time is yours. Give you another minute. Any of you have a particular proverb out of that list in nineteen that struck you today? In a unique way. All right. Would you like to volunteer what that proverb is? It's an interactive classroom experience today. Jace.
1: People ruin their lives by their own foolishness and then are angry at the Lord.
0: Hmm. Any particular reason why that strikes you?
1: dumb stuff and lost my job. Uh, Lost my job because of it. And the first thing I did was blame God. And I had no right in doing that, but that's what I did. You know, I got in my car and was like, why? Why did you do this to me? And then uh, shortly after that realized that it wasn't God punishing me or, or, you know, trying to hurt me, but instead leading me down a better path. So that's why this proverb really hits me.
0: Marcus, you
1: want to share yours? Okay, this is a lot more intimidating than I thought it would be. Um, I think four, uh, four and five together, wealth wealth makes many friends. Uh, poverty drives them all away, and a false witness will not go unpunished, nor will a liar escape. I just thought that was pretty cool. Uh, so people without God will... Uh, um, I had an explanation. I really did.
0: I really did. I don't have one now. I just thought it was good. That's good. Someone else, one of those proverbs, or maybe one earlier in your week that you read. Well, I really yeah, don't. Okay. else does. Okay. Um, sensible people control their temper. They earn respect
1: by overlooking wrongs, like being handed a mic they don't need. Um, <laughs> Oh, then it's not on the recording. I'm sorry. Um, So I was divorced six years ago, and part of the healing process of that is learning to forgive the things that happened. Um, Because blaming the person that that was part of that doesn't hurt them. It it hurts me. Uh, And for everybody that knows me, controlling the temper is pretty self-explanatory as far as why that spoke to me. Um, But yeah, it's... uh, we want to be forgiven. We expect to be forgiven uh, as, as part of accepting Christ into our hearts. That's one of the reasons that we do it. Um, and it's kind of like the biggest, and I apply this to myself, not anybody else, but it's kind of like the biggest hypocrisy in the world for me to expect God to forgive me for all of the things that I've done. I don't want to go into detail because I teach most of your kids, and you don't need to hear all that stuff. Um, <laughs> but I expect to be forgiven for that, and then for me to be incapable of turning around and forgiving other people for what they do to me it's kind of like the height of being two-faced and and, and worthless. So I, I need to be able to forgive because I want to be forgiven. Good, Frank.
0: Frank, you have been forgiven. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. I'm aware of that. I'm not just <laughs> <laughs> Even the things you
1: haven't even done yet. <laughs> Lucy. Hi, my name is Lucy. And the one I chose was to acquire wisdom is to love yourself. People who cherish understanding will prosper, and that's one thing that I've the Lord's been helping me to understand: is to love myself first, and then I can love others and in a healthy way, and receive love in a healthy way. And so um, that's why that spoke to me.
0: Right here. All right, stand up. Name.
2: Okay. Um, hello, my name is Kieran. And one verse that struck me was, "Discipline your children while there is still hope; otherwise, you'll ruin their lives." Uh, (laughs) So, so I get disciplined a lot for doing things I'm not supposed to do, and I and I never really understood it. And then once I read that verse, I'm like, "Oh, now I know!" Like my dad always talks to me, like he says, like um, he always says, like in the Bible it says discipline your kids and don't let them do things that you're not supposed to do. So that I saw that and I just got really, like, it kind of like put it on my heart till I'm like, okay, I have to say this.
0: Hey, that was worth the price of admission today. All right.
2: <laughs> was... My name's Jason. Um, I have, uh, 1923 highlighted in my bible the fear of the lord leads to life and he who has it will abide in satisfaction he will not be visited with evil um i love have a bible all throughout the bible says do not fear but the lord says fear him but it's a it's a loving fear knowing that he holds my last last breath um you know He not only, you know, are we supposed to reverence him in, in, in his holiness, you know, know, know him and know who he is, all of his traits, um, his all-powerfulness, but his love. He wants, and he tells me, reminds me to, to fear him out of love. And when, we do, when I do that, you know, he wants me to know him. He, um, he shows me how to be satisfied. And then that's truly the only way that we can be satisfied is to, to know Him, and um, that, uh, that's pretty much. Uh, <laughs> I think the only this verse really shows me that fearing Him out of love, and, and I have that that sweet peace, the, the, the peaceful sleep at night, being satisfied in Him. Other other than that, there's no other way to be satisfied.
0: So. That's great, Jason. And how do we fear them? How do I have one other person here? Yay, nay? Running, going? Paul's over here. Oh, we'll come all the way over there, Paul. Okay. Yeah, I just lost it. That's good. Here we go. So, Proverbs, I'm looking at NIV. Proverbs 19:21. Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. Um, I think that's pretty appropriate, especially now as school's starting for everybody, things that everyone has, things that just go, you know, it's like, okay, summer's over, we all have these plans, we have all these desires, these ideas, but it's comforting to know, like, regardless of our plans, that the Lord's purpose is going to prevail in whatever we do and whatever happens to us, so it's, I mean, you know, it's that cliche, you hear, oh, well, just uh, take it to the Lord, or, you know, we'll be praying for you, you hear that all the time, right, you know, we'll be praying for you, but... I mean, the Lord has your best purpose in mind. And Paul is a teacher, so he started up this week just like everybody else did. All right, you're the last one. You're good to go.
1: Okay, so I'm Audrey. I also had verse 21. But today after worship practice, I was talking to McKay, and we were talking about like what we wanted to do, like what I wanted to do, because I'm going to be a junior this year. And she said, like, oh, I'm 23, and I still want to do so many things. And, like, it's so cool you figured out what you want to do. Like, I'm set on a school I want to go to, what I want to do. And this year's the most important year for both basketball and academics. So just listening to God and making sure we're on the same path for that. So thank you.
0: You see what just happened? The Spirit of God who lives who's alive and well and breathing gathering wherever two or three are gathered in the name of the Lord eyes, hearts looking at words that he inspired Proverbs in particular inspired through Solomon it's alive and active the word of God is you've received some nuggets just in a few moments by being in the word of God And then many times, as we often say, why don't I do that more? Why don't we do that more? The busy things, the urgent things, keep us from the important things in life. And the whole idea of back to school isn't just like a nice coy thing to say, well, because it's this time of year. We always need to be in the school of the Holy Spirit. And the Word of God's essential for us to hear His voice. Oh, I wish God would just speak to me. Well, maybe if you opened his word that's inspired by the Spirit, you would hear it. An old-time revivalist by the name of Vance Havner once said, I like reading the word of God, but it's like wiring an old house. You never know when you're going to get shocked. (laughs) It's true. May I just encourage you as a sojourner and a student myself to practice the discipline of being in God's word. If you want to take on the Proverbs challenge, I encourage you to do it. It didn't take you long to read that, to maybe put a few check marks down. If you miss a day, don't beat yourself up. Just jump to the day that the Proverbs chapter is on. It's not about owning up to some expectation of some grand teacher and a syllabus and accomplishing the assignments. It's about communion with God. And He just wants you to hear His voice. So spend time in school seeking wisdom from the Proverbs, from other places in Scripture because this is our challenge. Proverbs 3.13 says this, Happy is a man who finds wisdom and who acquires understanding. All of us have something in common. We have the same thing in common with everybody I believe in the whole world. And that is we want happiness. We want to be happy. But how we pursue happiness ends up defining us in so many ways. Being a Christ follower, seeking God doesn't mean that you have to be a sour, dour person that's discouraged and all the fun's taken away. No, we are seeking happiness more than anybody else. Happiness is found, though, in the wisdom that comes from God and how he's called us to live life. People that pursue happiness in the wrong means, end up in dour places. Evil comes by not seeking wisdom that is from God and His purposes. But if you're seeking wisdom from God, even over the course of time, you will find happiness and understanding. It doesn't mean that there isn't discipline. and That was one of the best little testimonies I've had uh, in this building, I think. The discipline is for a purpose. Jesus said, you know, that if you want to come after him, you must deny yourself, pick, you know, pick up your cross and follow him. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will find it. That may not sound like something very happy, but there's wisdom in it. And in the long haul of discipline, in the wisdom of God, you will find the joy that you're seeking for. So, happy, happy, happy. Are you happy, happy, happy? One of the reasons you might not be happy, happy, happy is because you're not seeking wisdom. The wisdom that comes from God, the understanding that he imparts to those whom he has created. Proverbs twenty-four, thirteen says, Eat honey, my son, for it is good. Honey from the comb is sweet to your taste. Know also that wisdom is like honey for you. If you find it, there is a future hope for you and your hope will not be cut off. Wisdom is enjoyable. Are you hungry for wisdom in your life? I got a question for um, 12, 13-year-olds. How many 12, 13-year-olds? I have a few in here, a few in that age group. Have you ever gotten in trouble by your parents for not being somewhere you needed to be? Maybe those of us that are older can remember that. Parents, i got a question for you. Have you ever left your child somewhere and forgot about them? (laughs) Come on now. I'm still scarred from a couple times I didn't get picked up by my folks after practice or something, right? There's a story in Scripture of Jesus when he was a kid. Jesus, sometimes we think of him... Of course, in his full glory as an adult, in his ministry, and his death, his resurrection. But Jesus, God himself, was born as an infant, and he grew. And we don't have a lot recorded in Scripture concerning his childhood. But this is one of the stories that is recorded of him. And that's found in Luke chapter 2, 41 through 52. I want to read it real quick. You know this story? It's a classic story. Whether you're a kid... Or whether you're a parent. Luke 2 verse 41 says this. Every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. After the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth, but Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't miss him at first because they assumed he was among the other travelers. But when he didn't show up that evening, they started looking for him among their relatives and friends. So Nazareth is about a two-hour drive in a car from Jerusalem north. It's about a 32, 36-hour walk somewhere in between there. So uh, individuals would show up for the festivals in Jerusalem, and uh, they didn't have cars then. And so uh, you could ride something, I guess, but most people would walk. And so it was a journey, and you would go with your relatives and your friends. And so they headed south from Nazareth to Jerusalem. And uh, they got there, they celebrated the festival, and they said, Hey, everybody, it's time to head up. Vacation's over. We're going back home. And so they assumed, which is why we end up leaving our kids sometimes, that they're with somebody or in some place that we don't think that they're not, um, uh, that they're supposed to be. And they assumed that he was hanging out with some of his cousins or some other friends. And three days into the journey, they go, where's little Jesus at? Jesus, where is he at? Now, we have this in our life a little bit with our great boy over here and Levi. And sometimes, like, there's an escape artist. Where did he go? Where is he at? Right? And that's exactly what happened with them. Where did he go? Where is he at? And they got very frustrated. Now, when you find your kid after losing your kid, you ever had that fear grip you? Moms, you know what this is like? Where's that? Right? And then you find them. You have this mixed emotion of, Oh, I love you. I've seen you. And I'm like, what's going on? And then there's another part of you that wants to go, Where have you been? What have you been doing? Right? That mixed emotion. Well, I'm sure that they had that going on. But they had lost Jesus. Now, Jesus is 12 years old. 12. Do I have 12-year-olds? Who are my 12-year-olds? I need some 12s. All right, 12. Get the idea in your mind. Now, this is a critical age. This is the age that really that you're coming into your own, and you're not just being told what to do. You're discerning what to do, and you're becoming um, an individual who is making decisions on their own, and there's wisdom that starts to set in, and spiritual interest, a lot of those things in some unique ways. Verse 45, when they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. Three days later, they finally discovered him in the temple. I mean, they're like halfway to Nazareth. That would have taken a while. And sitting among the religious lead re- teachers, listening to them and asking questions. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. Here's Jesus. They can't find him. He was... They're hanging with the teachers in the temple, and they come to him, and they go, Where have you been? What's been going on? And he's like, Chill. We're, we're good. And everyone that was around him, that was teaching him and interacting with him, were amazed. They weren't amazed at his questions. They were amazed at Jesus's answers. And you're like, What? would a 12-year-old be telling these professors of the religious law? Jesus, God himself, come in the flesh, gave up so many things in this learning process, but he was in this place with humanity where he was beginning to instruct them, even at this young age as the Messiah. His parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said to him, why have you done this to us? I think that one's interesting. I can't believe you would do this. You would just stay behind and put us in this predicament. Your father and I have been frantic, searching for you everywhere. Human experience, same through all history. But why did you need to search? He asked, didn't you know I must be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he meant. He was focused as a young man on the things of his father, God himself. Joseph wasn't his father. God was his father. Through the Virgin Mary, word incarnate become flesh, God walked among us. And at this age, he says, don't you understand? And I can't comprehend what it was like to be Mary and Joseph and trying to raise Jesus. Can you? I don't know what to say. Let's just go, Joseph. Just grab him with skill. Right? Then they returned to Jerusalem with them. Then he returned to Jerusalem with them and was obedient to them. And his mother stored up all these things in her heart. And then you have this verse. This is really the only verse we have concerning the development of Jesus as a young boy. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. This is the school that all of us need to be in. That we would grow in wisdom in our understanding of all things, and our stature doesn't mean a boastful, prideful, hey, look at me and what I've accomplished, but rightful respect. Now, there goes a young man that brings honor to who he is and to his family. But he grew in wisdom and stature with two groups, with God and with other people. Now, we can sort of comprehend the other people because we have other people around us. And and do we grow in stature with them and wisdom in their minds? Oh, there's a wise person or there's a knowledgeable person. But this idea of growing in wisdom and stature with God is just so humbling to me. Would God, my father, look at me as his child and say, well done, my son. Well done, my daughter. You are growing in wisdom. And in stature with me. Is that a passion of your life? Do you want this to be one of your your foremost goals? To grow in wisdom and stature? With God and with other people? Or do you have something else on your to-do list? On your bucket list? On your success uh, driven goal list? Other than this. We need to have the same type of words written of us as we grow older, no matter what age that we are in. I want to challenge you on five key things concerning getting wisdom, growing in stature with both God and man. The first is this. Number one, desire wisdom with all your might. Be zealous to say, I want to become a wise person. Not an overly smart, knowledgeable person. As we looked at last week, you can have a lot of knowledge but not have a lot of wisdom. It's wisdom that you need to pursue. I want to be a wise and discerning person, a godly person in all of it. And and I want to, to, to establish the priorities of my life to become that kind of individual. It's not going to happen overnight, but during the course of time, you should be able to become wiser. Why is it that we define continuing education today as paying tuition and fees and getting degrees? Institutional mindset is how we have it, because that's the school system that's been placed upon us. Oh, we need to get them a good education. A good education will do them well. No, it may not necessarily do them well. Reminded of a story of D.L. Moody that would talk about how corrupt and evil the heart is. And you can take of someone who has stolen in his day a railroad tie, which is you know one of the things underneath a railroad tie, and put them in prison and give them a great education. And when they come out, they'll steal the whole railroad. You know, an education doesn't give you wisdom. Now, an education is part of wisdom, but when we say desire wisdom with all your might, it's not saying, hey, I want to get another degree. I want to take another course. I want to get you know a good GPA on this. It's I want the wisdom that comes from God, and I want to be a knowledgeable, wise person in all situations. Be a zealot for wisdom. Have a sense of urgency about it. When we give you the challenge of reading one proverb a day, it's not to please Anyone else in the household, please the pastor, or even get brownie points with God. It's for the purpose of becoming a wise individual. And you need to be on that pursuit. Continuing education for you may never mean you get another grade, A, B, C, D, in your life. But it may mean that you have to redefine how you spend an evening or how you take those 15 minutes before you leave for work. And you spend that time in seeking wisdom in God's word or elsewhere. Get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget my words or swerve from them, Proverbs 4, 5. Do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. I like the word swerve. You ever tried to swerve from somebody telling you what to do? Maybe you've had somebody recently go, I can't believe you're about to make that kind of stupid decision. They may not use the word stupid, but they're thinking it. And they're trying to give you God's wisdom to stay clear of something. And you do. Well, thank you very much. I'm going to swerve over here and just do things the way I want to do them and what's in my mind anyway. That's swerving from wisdom. Don't do it. Don't forsake it. Wisdom is personified here. She'll protect you. Wisdom is supreme, therefore get wisdom. Though it cost all you have, get understanding, esteem her, and she will exalt you. Embrace her, and she will honor you. Isn't it interesting how it's described here in in a, a relationship capacity? Any of you remember when you were pursuing your spouse, or maybe you have a girlfriend or boyfriend now, or wish you had one, those kinds of things, and you're like, I want to pursue that individual. I want to know them. And you reorganize your whole life schedule and your thought life is ordered according to trying to win that person over or love that person. That same type of passion that you brought to the table in a relationship, bring it to this understanding of embracing and esteeming wisdom. Number two is study and meditate on the word of God to gain wisdom and might I add and do it. Because a lot of times we hear the Word of God, but we don't place it into practice. And as evidenced by us in our little uh, homework assignment today, this Word is powerful and effective, and we need to study and we need to meditate on it. You read an awful lot on social media. I do as well, sort of keep abreast of people a little bit. I don't really comment any because then it would bog down my day. But I'm like, oh, stay abreast of this, stay abreast of that. Somebody this morning came in and said, oh, you met so-and-so today. I'm like, how did you know that? I saw a picture of you with them on Facebook. I'm like, oh, okay, I never knew you knew them. I didn't know them until I met them this week, right? So we spend a lot of time in those kinds of worlds, but we neglect the Word of God. You have to place the discipline in your life to study it and to meditate on it. And may I also say, also other kinds of devotional works, maybe other books of theology and discernment. You can practice it. It's amazing how much we can read if we just take 15 minutes every day, seven days a week. You can probably read 30 books a year if you just took 15 minutes a day. Discerning, learning, study God's Word. The instructions, it says in Psalm nineteen 7, 8. The instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, trust- Trustworthy, make wi- making wise the simple. Do you describe yourself maybe as a simple person today? Guess what? Doesn't disqualify you from being a very wise person. Number three. Pray for God to grant you wisdom more and more each day. Question, was Solomon, who wrote the Proverbs, born wise? He was not born wise. You find this in 1 Kings 3.10. The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for wisdom. So God replied, because you have asked for wisdom in governing my people with justice, and have not asked for a long life or wealth or the death of your enemies... I will give you what you ask for. I will give you a wise and understanding heart such as no one else has ever had or ever will have. That sort of drops my jaw a little bit. Duh, I'll be. No kidding. Solomon just asked God to be really wise. And God said, bingo, I'll do it. What do I ask God for? Oh, God, help me get through this day. I'm so tired. Lord, those finances aren't meeting. The ends that need to... Oh, Lord, there's this physical thing going on with me or my friend or my family member. Lord, I love you. Just keep my kids protected. I mean, they're all good prayers. They're fine. But God said, I'll be. You didn't ask... For wealth, or a long life, or that I'd do your enemies it. You ask for wisdom, and I'm going to take you up on it. Pray. Pray for wisdom. Not just the popcorn prayer. Oh my goodness, God, help me make this decision right now. I need some wisdom. Make it a petition to God. Lord, help me be in your continuing education of knowing what it means to be wise in all situations and have discernment, discernment. You know, Solomon, not just he just didn't have the discernment uh, of God's word and the knowledge there. He grew into discernment to be able to make decisions in the moment. So as you meditate on God's word, it gives you a base from which to make up a choices, But wisdom that we're seeking from God is just not wisdom from God's words. It's wisdom in the moment and the discernment. Do you remember the story of Solomon when he had two prostitutes come to him, and they each had a baby, and they happened to be housed with one another. And one of the prostitutes had a baby three days after the other prostitute, and they were, uh, you know, sleep one night, and and one of the women rolled on top of her infant. Stories in kings, and suffocated the baby and the baby died. That's why you don't put babies in your own bed. You keep them in their crib, right? You've heard those kinds of stories. Well, this happened. And so she, in the middle of the night, got up, took her baby that was dead and took it to the other woman in the house and put it in her arms and then took that live baby and went back and took it into her own bed. And so the next morning, the woman wakes up to uh, feed her child, her infant, and realizes it's dead. But then she starts to think through it and look at the infant and says, This, this is not my infant. And they're very, very young, right? He says, This is not mine. It was hers. And so there's, you know, all kinds of stuff breaks loose. And they go to Solomon and they say, We've got a problem. This is my baby and it's alive and her baby. She rolled on top of it or whatever and it's dead. And it's like, No, it's the other round. It was a she said, she said kind of thing going on, right? Do you remember what Solomon did in that moment? He says, well, let give me a sword. He says, I'll divide the baby in two and then each of you can have a half. Well, that's pretty aggressive and I don't think that solves the problem here. <laughs> but the mother of the baby that was truly alive said, no, give it to the other woman. And the other woman says, well, go ahead and do it. And in that moment, Solomon... Chalked up another one, he turned to the woman who said, let the other lady have it. And he says, this is the mother of the real baby, of the baby that's alive. Give the baby, the live baby, to this woman. Chalked up another example of his wisdom that per, was pervasive amongst all people. But it was a decision that was made in the moment because he had asked God to give him wisdom. And it was wisdom that was based on God's word, but more than God's word. Ephesians 1.17 says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know Him better. And James 1.5, you're familiar with this verse. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. So number three, pray for God to grant you wisdom more and more with each day from his word, but also just common sense and discernment beyond means because he can give it to you. Number four is think frequently about your death. I love this one. I actually came across this when I was looking at some stuff in John Piper and I'm like, really? That's going to help me with wisdom? Well, here's what's behind this idea of thinking frequently frequently about your death. I'm really not a morbid person here this morning. Think about the shortness of life and the length of the next. Uh, Somebody told me this week that a friend of theirs was helping officiate at a a memorial service at Saddleback Church for someone who had been on staff there, written, was a songwriter and some other things, and had died at the age of 47 with a heart attack. Well, I'm a little bit older than 47, and when I hear those kinds of stories, it causes me to pause. I never know what a day holds, right? You and I don't. Whether it's something like a sudden heart attack or uh, an accident, or maybe God just chooses to say, you know, I've numbered your days, you're good. We need to be mindful of the days God's given us. Psalm 90 verse 12 says this teach us to realize the brevity of life or the number of our days, is what it's in other translations, so that we may grow in wisdom. Why does thinking frequently about your death bring wisdom? I'm not going to open it up for discussion, but this would be a good one. If you think about the brevity of life, it will put life in the right perspective. So many things will not matter in the long run. And we need to have wisdom that rightly views things from a higher level. And if we do not contemplate our mortality and be mindful of it, we will try to squeeze everything out of this life and it will help us It'll well. I don't know if it's help us. It'll move us into making some really poor decisions. There is a final day of accountability before the Lord. There is also a day when I need to have moral integrity with my kids, and so I will not do something. In part. Because, yeah, God says, but I want to see the big picture. Wisdom comes by having the big picture of life. And when you contemplate the brevity of life and your death, it helps you pull back and have discernment. I don't know if that one helps you or not. Yeah, I'm not going to give you an assignment on that, how many minutes a week. But every now and then, just realize that the Lord has numbered your days. Realize the brevity of life so that you may grow in wisdom. And number five is this. It's really the most important one. Come to Jesus to be indwelt by his spirit. That little boy at the age of 12 that was in the temple confounding the professors with his answers can actually dwell inside of you and be the voice in your head. Do you know if Jesus is in your life? If you've never invited Jesus into your life, I encourage you to do so. Because he is the author of ultimate wisdom. And through his indwelling spirit, you can be wise. Matthew 12, 42 says, The Queen of Sheba will also stand up against this generational judgment day and condemn it. For she came from a distant land to hear the wisdom of Solomon. You can go and read the story in Kings. She came because she'd heard about Solomon. I can't believe he's this smart, that he's this wealthy. She came from the south, from Egypt area. She interfaced with Solomon for a period of time, and she dumbfounded how wise Solomon was and how much blessing was upon God. This was during Israel's golden years before Solomon started to take his wisdom and and go wrong directions in it. Beautiful, beautiful, powerful Israel because of the wisdom from God through Solomon leading the country. But it says in this verse now someone greater than Solomon is here, but you refuse to listen. This is a powerful passage, Matthew 12, if you want to take the whole context in of what Jesus was confronting in that moment. But here's Jesus himself saying, I am even greater and wiser than all of Solomon who wrote those Proverbs and was able to lead a country and all the wisdom he did, and yet you will not listen to me. I am here. Jesus was there in that day, but Jesus can be within us through his Spirit he died, He rose from the grave, He ascended to the heavens, then He sent His Spirit to indwell those who would be followers of Him. Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? I can guarantee you this, and you may smack me afterwards for it and disagree with me, but if you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, you will not find your way to ultimate wisdom. Because the one who has wisdom wants to dwell within you and possess your very life. Not to control it and to ruin it, but to gift you and to give you a powerful, meaningful, hope-filled, sweet, honey-kind-of-filled life. That Jesus needs to be your Lord and your Savior and the wise giver of wisdom for every day in your life. Come to Jesus. Be dwelt by His Spirit. Christian, slow down. Stop trying to think this through on your own, this decision you're about. You can have all the pros and all the cons. You can even try to out-con God sometimes with your pros and cons. Jesus needs to be your voice. Listen to that voice. There is an episode of something I heard of this week, a back-to-school kind of episode, and in this episode, I heard the individual was confronted with some things that made them uneasy. And in that moment, they realized there was a Jesus in them, and they responded in a way that was glorifying to him. We need Jesus to speak, and then we need Jesus to strengthen us to obey him when his voice says, Stay clear from this, walk this road, take on this initiative, whatever it may be. In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Colossians one two, three says, In John fourteen, six, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. How beautiful it is that we don't have a religion, folks. We have a relationship. With the wisest, discerning one of all, God Himself come in the flesh through Jesus Christ. I had the opportunity to do a TV show. I guess it's going to be on some cable production through some connections, some people from the church here, and uh, they were asking questions in this little. And they threw the pastor a question, and the question uh, had to do with this this whole thing of of um, how how do you make decisions or be wise and you want to do positive thinking and that kind of stuff and and I was caught in the moment and they said well how do you connect with God and I just said I connect with God through Jesus Christ his son who came and that's how I connect with God is through Jesus are you afraid to mention his name Are you afraid to call out his name Jesus is the one you need to come to Jesus is the one who gives you the wisdom that you need. Desire, study, pray, think, contemplate the brevity of life, and come to Jesus. The band's going to come as we close. And um, one of the ways Jesus is able to help us, the reality is, is that he is of high above all things. And so as we sing that song we sang earlier concerning, at least a refrain of it, Joe, concerning his highways above us. I pray that you will freshly devote yourself to want to get wisdom through these kinds of means. The ushers are going to come and receive the Lord's tithes and offerings as well as your connection cards. But let's close in prayer and offer up our thoughts and prayers to Him concerning the subject of wisdom.